we're going to be talking about new births, and the specific message today is called New Songs. All right, even if you're not a singer or a musician, you're going to get something from today's message. Actually, anybody can sing. Everybody can sing. It may not sound great, but everybody can sing. You can. What is singing? Singing is lifting your voice to the Lord in some way. And we're actually going to look a little bit today about what new songs, you know, why does he say new songs? What is a new song that the Lord would love? And uh, so we're going to get into that. First of all, what is a new birth? I'm going to give you that definition again. And remember, it means more than just babies. So what is a new birth? A new birth is the bringing forth, the actual beginning of something that we believed and expected for. It's no longer just a dream or an idea. It's real and alive. It's crying in front of us, and the Lord is giving us the responsibility and joy of raising up what is new for his glory. So a new birth is the actual beginning of something. You know, often we will talk about something we'd like to do or we dream about that thing that we would want to get involved in or we sit there and think about maybe next year I'll do this. But those are ideas, dreams. You could even go to prayer about it. It's still not birthed until it begins, okay? So we're talking about things that begin in 2023. And we are blessed... Our uh, church has people that step out and do things. We've had a couple new births already in the area of businesses. We had a restaurant that started up on January 3rd. And uh, actually just this week, a taxi company started up. Uh, someone from the congregation who's blessed and started that. So new births happening in those areas already. And new seasons beginning. But today, specifically, we're going to talk about new songs. Psalm 98 and verse 1. Of course, there's going to be a number of verses today from the Psalms, which really are songs of David. It says, Sing a new song to the Lord, for he has done wonderful deeds. His right hand has won a mighty victory. His holy arm has shown his saving power. Now, before we even get into new songs, let's look at what the Bible says is the purpose of songs. So, what is the purpose of songs in Scripture, biblical songs? We can see a few things that songs were meant for uh, in the Bible. And one of the first ones, it says songs were meant to praise the Lord. Look at Psalm 150, verse 1. It says, praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty firmament. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of trumpet. Praise him with the lute and harp. Praise him with timbrel and dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and flutes. Praise him with loud cymbal. Praise him with clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord, or praise the Lord. I don't know if you counted, it said praise in there a few times. Because God wants us to praise him. Now, what is praise? Praise is simply using your voice 
to sing to him about the great things they've done. In other words, God has done great things, here they are. And so praise is declaring the great things he's done. He created the world, you know, he made us, he does miracles for me. He did. You're declaring what he's done, that's praise. All right, the second thing I see in scripture that songs are meant for is to glorify the Lord. Now this is slightly different than praise, but often these things are connected when you're singing to the Lord. So what does it mean to glorify the Lord? Look at Psalm 86, verse 12. I will praise you, O Lord my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever. I'm going to give you one more, then I'll explain a little bit. Psalm 138 and verse 5. Yes, they will sing about the Lord's ways, for the glory of the Lord is very great. All right, so praise was... Here's what he's done. Look and see. He did this for me. We're praising him for what he's done. To glorify him is to say, he's great. There's no one greater. Here is who he is. Okay, different, but both often are in a song. He's lifted up. So we're not singing so much about what he did, but we are lifting him up. Some of you remember the old song, we exalt thee, we exalt thee. You're simply singing, we lift you up, we honor you, we glorify you. And the third thing I see that songs were meant for in the Bible was to worship the Lord. Look at 2 Chronicles 29, verse 27. Says then Hezekiah ordered that the burnt offerings be placed on the altar. As the burnt offering was presented, songs of praise to the Lord were begun, accompanied by trumpets and other instruments of David, the former king of Israel. The entire assembly worshipped the Lord as the singers sang and the trumpets blew until all the burnt offerings were finished. Okay, what technically is worship? As we talked about praise, we talked about glorifying him, where we're saying how wonderful he is, not so much about what he did. To worship him, the term actually meant to bow before him. So the act of worship in song is to humble ourselves, reverence him, and in a way, bow before him. So you can worship without necessarily physically bowing, but your attitude is... He is holy, and I am nothing, and man, I love him. Okay, so those are the different things that songs are used for. Often, we do a combination of them in a song. For sure, the praise and glorifying, and then sometimes worship. We praise him a little bit, and then we're honoring him. So in this day and time, when they say they all worshiped, they likely went right to the ground, either on their knees like this, or sometimes even face first. They were bowing as low as possible because they knew he is high and lifted up. High and lifted up. You see, the God we serve is not just a little above people. The God we serve is not you know, just a little bit powerful. Do you understand how mighty he is. 
Because when we worship him, well, ah, whatever, I, I don't really care to worship today, like, whatever. We can do this, like, every weekend. It's just a song about God. You know, the, the guy in the Bible. Wait a minute. Do you know who you're singing about and to? Do you really know him? I have found out people who know how to worship have gotten a glimpse of his power, his awesomeness, his reverence, and his holiness. And people who bow understand his mighty power and holiness, and they understand their nothingness. You can worship when you understand that. And I know some of you do. So those are the things that songs were meant for in Scripture. Now, that's what songs are for, so why are we talking tonight about a new song? Because there's a lot of songs out there already, isn't there? Well, I mean, look at the book of Psalms. There's quite a few there. There's songs that have been written over and over. So why does the Lord say, sing a new song? Well, does anybody want to know why we should sing a new song? Some of you are like, I like the old songs. You know, we can sing What a Beautiful Name Till Jesus Comes. He's not going to be mad at us. But he did say, let's sing a new song. Okay. We sing new songs for a number of reasons. I don't want to give you those. We sing new songs because he continues to do new and marvelous things for us. He's not done. He didn't just do it here and then quit. You know, well, that's all I've done, so you can only write a song about the Red Sea and how I divided it. That was it. He's doing new things every single day. He's doing new things for you. He's working on your behalf. He's changing lives today. Do you understand? And because of that, we have something new and fresh we can sing about every single day. I can remember as a young person, I grew up on a farm, and I loved the farm. And uh, when I was fairly young, I used to whistle everywhere I went. Someone taught me how to whistle. They probably wished they hadn't, but I whistled everywhere. And uh, it, I would just whistle along, and uh, then I found out about singing. And I remember we went to a Bible camp one summer, and they had groups of kids singing. And I really loved it. And I remember there was this group of kids, and I think I was sit, standing over here, and eventually they moved me to the back or something. I can't remember quite. And then the instructor was like, okay, kids, don't shout. And he's looking at me. Okay, I never really caught on, though, because I was having so much fun. But apparently, I just shouted off key in, but I was having the greatest time of my life. So when they did the rehearsal for all the parents, and my parents knew where I was. <laughs> but I felt something in music. Something with a group of people together singing about something important. It was powerful. And luckily for me, my mom was a music teacher, and she decided I should probably learn how to carry a tune. And so she showed me how. She said, okay, here's the note on the piano. you got to sing that note. I didn't quite get it. And she said, well, hold on a minute. She said, I've heard you all over the farm. You imitate the animals and the birds perfectly. That's the same. Just imitate this note. I was like, oh yeah, I think I can do that. And anyhow, she taught me to sing by doing that. 
Then I could be as loud as I wanted and nobody stared at me looking like, you know, what's wrong with him? So anybody can sing and there is always something to sing about. The cool thing about singing, you can sing something new and fresh however you want. You see, you praising God, there's no rules about how you should do it. You want to wake up in the morning and sing, you know, you go ahead, sing off key. Sing however you like. If it's from your heart, he is happy. Now for us to worship together and for it to flow, you know, there's some rules and, you know, you try to sing together. But worship itself from your heart, that's what counts the most. And I know that you can sing something new. If you're waking up in the morning and you have nothing to say to him, nothing to flow from your heart, I'm going to encourage you to start asking him to put a song in you, to put a new song in you. I'm serious. Life is meant to have music. Life is meant to have music. Music should be in your soul, your spirit, and it should flow out somewhere, somehow. I believe that. And I believe God said this year, he wants to birth new songs in each of us. You know, some of those new songs may be with the worship team, and they may be so great they go far beyond. But some of those new songs might just be you at home all by yourself. And it begins to come out, and you've never done it before. And there you are singing, Jesus, I love you. And the next thing you feel is presence, and you're crying. That's your new song in 2023. It does not have to get published. I just want to say that right from the start. Okay? A new song. Jesus wants it to come out of you. All right. I'm going to find out where I am. I'm having so much fun here. Psalm 98 and verse 1 says, Sing a new song to the Lord, for he has done wonderful deeds. His right hand has won a mighty victory. His holy arm has shown a saving power. The Lord has announced his victory, has revealed his righteousness to every nation. He has remembered his promise to love and be faithful to Israel. The ends of the earth have seen the victory of our God. This is a song, and he's singing about it. Shout to the Lord, all the earth. Break out in praise and sing for joy. Sing your praise to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the melodious song. With trumpets and the sound of the ram's horn, make a joyful symphony before the Lord, the King. Why is he singing in this point? This is a praise song, and he's singing praise because God has done wonderful things. Okay, this is praise. He's done great things, and we're not going to forget it, and we're not going to count it as nothing. We're going to sing about it. And so we do that here at church, but I hope you do it as well. Look at Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 22. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh every morning. Scripture says God's ways are past finding out. You will never get bored of God. Never. His ways are past finding out. His mercies are new every morning. He's got something great for you every day. If you are bored with your faith right now, it's not God's fault. Do you hear me? If you are tired and apathetic with your Christianity, it is not his fault. Because I'll tell you what, if you get close to him, he will blow you away. 
And you will not ever get tired of meeting with him and finding out new things from him. All right? Church, if you're a little bit tired with your faith, it means you have not been taking time to get close to him. That is the case every time. I know in my life where possibly I've felt lower in my faith, every time it's because I have not been spending time getting close to him. You cannot get bored with your faith when he's a God like the God he is. That's not in my notes. Somebody need to hear that. Get close to him. Let him show himself to you. You will be the most excited person alive. People who have got close to him are excited and they sing. Who sings at home, you know, just walking around? Well, you got some singers that sing at home. That doesn't mean you have to have a microphone and a band playing, but you sing. You need to. I'm going to encourage every one of you this year, start singing, start singing at home. Keep singing the song. You don't sing because you're trying to get up on a platform or because you want to entertain people. If God puts you here, sing for him with all your might. But you sing because from your heart, you want to praise him, you want to glorify him, you want to worship him. Okay? Sing. Woo, let's go. Second Chronicles 5, verse 12. And the Levites, who were the singers, all those of Asaph and Heman and Jidathan with their sons and their brethren, stood at the east end of the altar, clothed in white linen, having cymbals and stringed instruments and harps. And with them, 120 priests were sounding with trumpets. Can you imagine 120 trumpets? Somebody would be like, turn it down. But anyhow, 120 trumpets is a lot of trumpets. Okay. Where was I? The trumpets, the trumpets. And indeed, it came to pass when the trumpeters and singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endures forever, that the house, the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud, so that the priests could not continue ministering because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house. Woo! When people in unity worship him, his presence comes in. God inhabits the praises of his people. I believe our worship pastor used that verse. God inhabits, that means he comes in and dwells right in the middle of your praise. I can tell you what, whatever's happening, whatever's going on, when his presence comes in, it gets sorted out. Guaranteed. So I think we need to praise. And I think we need to sing. And we need to sing a new song. You see, they sang a pretty simple song. He is good. His mercy endures forever. And then they repeated it. He is good, for his mercy endures forever. With 120 trumpets. And some cymbals. Wow. I'm just going to let you know it was loud. Okay. Because praise is meant to be loud. All right, so we sing new songs because he keeps doing new things. We also sing new songs so that the next generation can also praise him. You may not know this was in Scripture, but songs were meant 
to show God's goodness and glory and to show it to the next generation. Okay, let me give you some scripture on that. Psalm 89 verse 1. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. Worship is not just for me. It's not just for my generation because we had the best music. No. Worship and praise is for us actually to give to the next generation. Okay, let me give you another scripture because we don't want to just put that theory or that idea on one. Psalm 145 verse 3. Since the Lord is great and so worthy of praise, God's greatness can't be grasped. One generation will praise your works to the next one, proclaiming your mighty acts. Ooh, this is good. I believe this is why God told us to get those kids and young people back in worship. Because this worship team is going to declare his praise and show them how to worship. All right. For all of those who are a little older, what does that mean? It means we're going to need a new song from time to time. It means we're going to need songs that they can grasp. Do you hear me? If we want the next generation to grasp worship and praise, we're going to have to pick songs and style that they can grasp. Do you want them to get it? Or do we want to be selfish and do our favorite type? Because I remember in the 80s, there were some good old songs I used to sing. Church, I want you to know when this worship team gets up here to sing, they want everybody in the room to join in, including the next generation. Because if we leave them behind, if we don't bring them forward, God's church dies. And I'll tell you, that would be the biggest failure of the church ever. So please, 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 please don't be afraid of a new song that sounds different. Say, all right. I might not be getting this one. It must be for the next generation, so let me try it out. Oh, something just crossed my mind. I'm like, Lord, I don't think I should say that. But anyways, <laughs> okay, I'm going to say it. I used to do youth, and I remember this one time at youth, I, I did rap for the youth, but I was actually just fooling around, but they were like, that was awesome, do it again, and they all pulled out their phones. I said, no, I'm not doing it again. <laughs> You're not recording that. I'm not saying we're going to start doing that here, but I am making a point. They received... <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> God is... Oh, okay, I'm quitting. And some older people, I'm not coming back on Saturday. No, I, I'm quitting. I do that to fool around. But I am being serious, guys. A new song. Do not be afraid. Do not, do not be afraid. Yeah, I know. Don't be afraid to make it new. Sometimes we hold back because other people, we think, oh, they're not going to be okay with this. Who's going to be okay with it? If he's okay with it, it's good. All right. What should a new song look and sound like? Did you know scripture talks about what praise and worship and all that should sound like? And these are some great scriptures. Okay. The first thing we find out that 
music should sound and be like that God loves, that we can do for him, is this. Psalm 33, verse 3. That's three threes. This is like the perfect verse if you're into numbers. <laughs> Anyways. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully on the strings with a loud and joyful noise. Ooh, it might be one of my favorite verses. Loud. Okay. Music for the Lord can be loud. All right. How else should music for the Lord be? It should be joyful. Psalm 68, verse 3. There is so many scriptures about uh, being joyful and rejoicing in music. Psalm 68, 3 says, But let the godly rejoice. Let them be glad in God's presence. Let them be filled with joy. Sing praises to God and to his name. Sing loud praises. I didn't even know that was in there. That's pretty good. I could have said joyful and loud. Okay. Uh, who rides the clouds. His name is the Lord. Rejoice in his presence. Joyful. Rejoicing. You see, when you praise and when we get together, we want you to feel the joy and excitement of praising him. Okay? All right. Here's another one about joy. Psalm 98.4. Shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth. Break forth in song. Rejoice and sing praises. Part of that rejoicing in the Old Testament, when you read those verses, some of the words rejoice actually meant like getting excited. Woo, dancing. <laughs> You're like, Dad, Pastor, what are you doing? You can dance before the Lord. Again, not to show off or because you're trying to entertain people, but because you're so joyful. There is nothing wrong with that. Did you know Jesus danced? This is not a pastor joke. <laughs> There's a couple of people like, where is he going with this? <laughs> no, he did. His disciples came back to him after he had first sent them out to go do the same works he was doing. They came back and they were like, wow, the devils are subject to us. Like we commanded the devils and they laughed and you know, we have that authority. And Jesus said, okay, guys, it's good. I'm glad you're happy about that. But remember, the main thing is rejoice that you're uh, saved, that your names are in heaven, you know, giving him that. But then it says after that, he rejoiced in that hour. That word rejoiced means to dance and spin about. Jesus danced and spun about. He was so thankful that God had taken his power and glory and revealed it to ordinary people. Isn't that amazing? Woo! Jesus danced. But he danced with joy, a rejoicing spirit flowing out of him. Okay, here's a story about uh, the next thing I see about what music should be. So, we already said it should be skillful and loud, joyful and loud. Well, I didn't say joyful and loud, but that verse did. And it should be congregational. Now, again, you can worship and praise yourself, but a new song for most parts that we see in Scripture is something that more than one person can get involved with. There's something powerful how the Lord wants his people together to sing. Okay? So if I came up here and sang as high as I could in a pitch that nobody else could reach, well, you'd probably plug your ears, but you also wouldn't be able to join in, right? So congregational means it's a song that we can get together on. We understand that. But let me 
uh, give you a verse on that. Psalm 149, verse 1. It says, praise the Lord, sing to the Lord a new song. There's that new song again. Sing his praises in the assembly of the faithful. In other words, in the group, in the congregation. O Israel, rejoice in your maker. O people of Jerusalem, exult in your king. Praise his name with dancing. There it is. Accompanied by tambourine and harp. For the Lord delights in his people. He crowns the humble with victory. God is delighted when you sing to him. Did you know that? He delights in you. He loves it when you worship him. Isn't that something? You're like, he does? He does. Congregational, together. Let me read you a story from Ezra chapter 3. I'm going to give you some backstory before I get into it. So, in this story, they have finally laid the foundation for the temple. The temple had been destroyed, but they're rebuilding it. They got the foundation laid, and they decide we're going to have a worship service because the foundation's laid. Let's get together. And here's what it says in verse 11. With praise and thanks, they sang this song to the Lord. He is so good. His faithful love for Israel endures forever. Then all the people gave a great shout. Kind of like we did today. One, two, three, Jesus. They gave a great shout, praising the Lord, because the foundation of the Lord's temple had been laid. But many of the older priests and Levites and other leaders who had seen the first temple wept aloud when they saw the new temple's foundation. The others, however, were shouting for joy. So here is a multitude of people, and the foundation's laid, and they take a time, and somebody says, let's give a shout of praise for God, let's worship Him, let's sing, and they began to shout for joy, but some of the older people were crying as they remembered what the old temple used to be like. And it says, the joyful shouting and weeping mingled together in a loud noise that could be heard far in the distance. Everybody say loud. Oh, pastor, quit that. I did, it's in the scripture. It's not my fault. It could be heard far off. Far off. Is our worship meant to be private? Should it be really quiet so it doesn't bother anybody? I think from Scripture it's saying that we should go ahead and worship. And if it gets heard, it gets heard. Worship and praise can be done alone. I already said that. But it's far greater when done together. In the New Testament, we see a portion of Scripture where they worshiped and praised Together, And it's in Luke 19, verse 35 to 40. And this is the time in Scripture where they take Jesus and they put him on a donkey. Let me read it. So they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their garments over it for him to ride on. And as he rode along, the crowd spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. And when he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all his followers began to shout and sing. As they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. Blessings on the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Woo! They were shouting and singing. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, Teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. And he replied, If they keep quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. 
Oh, I like that. Don't keep quiet. Worship. I remember as a teenager, I think, we went to a camp one time. And at the camp, one of the camp people had written their own song. I think it was a new song back then. And they had written this song, and the song went something like, Ain't no rock gonna cry in my place. Ain't no rock gonna cry in my place. Long as I'm alive to glorify his holy name. And it was a good rhythm. But it was a cool song because it was the first time I'd heard anything like that. And I was like, yeah, I'm not letting no rock sing what I'm supposed to sing. They had no tree's gonna wave its branches in my place. Long as I'm alive to glorify his holy name. No, they didn't do that. It was back in the 80s. But anyways, listen, should the rocks take our spot? Would you be comfortable with that? Man, I've had a hard day. I'm tired. I don't want to sing. You don't know what I've been through. The sing song is sung out. Oh, just give him a note. Give him a shout. Give him a bless you anyways. If you're willing, the song will start to turn. It will start to stir. And you'll be singing and the rocks won't. Revelation chapter 5 verse 4. Then I looked and saw a lamb standing in the center of the throne, surrounded by the four living creatures and the elders. The lamb looked as if it had once been killed. It had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out to all the earth. Okay, let me back up for a second. Right before this, John the Revelator is seeing a picture in heaven, and he is actually begins to weep because they bring a scroll and it's sealed and nobody can open it and he starts to cry because he knows as a prophet that if that's not opened future things can't happen and he understands clearly God wants to do some future things that thing has to be opened because it says God won't do anything except he first reveals it to his prophets so he would know all this and he actually starts to weep he's like there's nobody in heaven there's nobody under heaven nobody And then an elder comes to him and says, okay, stop crying, John. John, nobody can hear you're crying so loud. John, look, there's somebody who's worthy. And so he sees this worthy person. And he says, looks like a lamb that's been slain. And it says, the lamb went over and took the scroll from the right hand of the one who sat on the throne. After he had taken it, the four living creatures and the elders knelt down before him. Each of them had a harp and a gold bowl full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people, and they sang a new song. You are worthy to receive the scroll and open its seals, because you were killed, and with your own blood, you bought for God people from every tribe, language, nation, and race. What made this lamb, who is a picture of Jesus, what made him worthy to open those seals to allow the future to continue he was worthy because he said yes to dying on a cross for you and i he said yes i will take this pain and i will take their punishment i will take their sin and i will do it 
And here he is now in heaven in this revelation. And they are blown away. It's him. It's the Lamb. It's Jesus. And if you want to go home tonight, you can continue reading in Revelation chapter 5, and you'll see that John begins to hear angels beyond number join in to this new song. Did you know angels sing? Did you know angels are good with worship? Angels will join in worship sometimes. Did you know that? We know there are angels even though we don't see them, right? You guys do know that, right? Like we live in a spiritual world even though we don't see it with our eyes. Angels will join in worship. And John begins to hear a multitude of angels, more than he can number, and they're joining in with this song saying, Worthy, worthy are you, Lord. Worthy is the Lamb. And then continues, and John not only just hears angels, but he begins to hear every living creature start to sing. Who wants to write a new song where every angel and living creature wants to sing? I'll tell you, the song that made them all sing, Worthy is the Lamb. Jesus, He did it. He redeemed all mankind. He ransomed us back from every nation, from every tongue, from every tribe. He did it. And church, when we sing today about Him, I believe angels sing. I remember more than once, shortly after my wife and I were married, we did some singing here and there, and I can remember times that people would come and say, I don't know what happened, but you were singing and I heard angels singing instead. I'm like, praise God, he's merciful to you. No, I didn't say that. Angels sing, you guys. I feel like some of you are going to get a new song this year that bubbles out of you. And again, I'm not just talking about our worship team and songwriting. You need a new song to bubble out of you. Okay? New seasons sometimes bring new songs. I feel this. Somebody's going to get a new season that causes a new song to bubble. And you're not a singer and it doesn't matter. You're going to feel a joy and you're going to want to sing. Because if you're in a season right now where you don't feel joy and you don't want to sing, then you've got to ask God, is it something in me or is this a time for a season change? You see, the amazing thing that Jesus did causes the whole creation to sing. He did that for you and I. And if you're here today and you have never asked Christ to forgive you and come into your life, you don't know what that song's about. The angels sang, all of creation sang, but you don't know what the song feels like until you ask him to forgive you and come in your life. When you do that, we say it's called being saved, but I can tell you he forgives you, he changes you, and he brings you back to right standing with the Heavenly Father. And I know that that puts a song. Did you know that it says in Scripture when one person comes to Christ, all of heaven rejoices. What do you think they're doing? They're singing. One more came in. Woo! They were lost, but now they're found. Woo, come on there, Gabriel, it's your turn. No, Gabriel doesn't do that. Okay. But right now, we're going to make opportunity to pray. Maybe there's somebody here who's never had opportunity to pray and ask Christ to forgive them. So we're going to do that as a group today.
So right where you are, if you'll just close your eyes with me and repeat this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me. I ask you now, forgive me of all my sin. Make me new. Use my life. Put a song in me that will never quit. Amen.